Shachianu v'kiyimanu v'giyanu l'azman azeh. Zehayom asah Hashem nagila v'nismachabo. It's a tremendous honor. I think this is the first time the community, aside from when Rav Yosef came on a, uh, a uh, scouting mission, that uh, Rav Yosef is in a position that he's uh, giving share to the community. All I would say is uh, it's uh, a tremendous schut that we have Rav Yosef uh, in our midst and as a teacher and as a mashpia. And uh, everybody, the entire community, the entire world should be encouraged to uh, drink uh, from Rav Yosef's uh, wisdom. And uh, this should just be the first of many opportunities as a kahila and as a community, as an am, that we are able to hear from Yosef in this format. And uh, we're, very much, uh, we're very much looking forward to Rav Yosef Bechavod. Uh, Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Toby. I realize that one of the most difficult parts of this position is speaking after the introductions, either of Shlomo or Toby or somebody else. It's, uh, thank, thank you so much. First of all, I think it's extremely impressive that people are here the night after, the morning after Sikos. I don't know what time you guys ended. It's probably a little bit later than when I ended in my small show in, in Ramat Beishamesh. The fact that after midnight Sikos, after, after a full night of investment emotionally, intellectually, just davening all night, people are here morning, right after chakras to learn Torah together. I think it's amazing. And I think that it just, it just speaks of the amazingness of this community. Um, this, like Toby said, this is the first time that I'm speaking to a, to a group other than the Chaverim and the Machon. Um, in a, since, since, since I took on this position two weeks ago, um, as Rosh Bet Midrash of Machon Zermat Aretz. And I think that the fact that Machon Zermat Aretz exists, I think that the level of welcoming that we've all received, the people out here that are living here, and me who comes and goes, interactions with leadership of the show, interactions with random, for me, random people coming in and out, the, the Chaverim and the Macho and their families just get, getting welcoming, welcoming package, packages and having so many meals set up for them, it's really, really tremendous. It really speaks about the Be'ad and the Chaviro that this community has and has cultivated. And it really speaks of the thirst of Torah, the thirst of Be'ad and the, the Macho that, that this community has. And it's such a schuss for me, it's so humbling for me to be able to be part, a small part of, of this machon, of this makom tefillah, makom Torah, makom binan al-machavir, makom chesed, that you as a community have, have really built. And it's really, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, it's really, a, it's really humbling and it's really a schuss for me to have any part in this whatsoever. Um, before, before I introduce the, what we're going to be doing today, I figured that because it's my first time speaking, a few thank yous are in order. And thank God most of the people I want to say thank you to aren't here. Um, the first one is of Shlomo. I mean, I, I, I'm sure many of you are, know of Shlomo better, better than I do. Um, and I'm sure many of you have had many more interactions over the course of years than, than myself. But it's, it's unbelievable to have somebody of his caliber, uh, such a manhig, such an inspiration, somebody that really gets people, and somebody that really takes each person, as far as I've seen, and tries to get them to grow and to do more and to just aspire for more greatness in, in their own way. I've experienced this myself on a personal level. I've experienced this more programmatically with the Machon, Machon and the Shul, the long, long term, in terms of the long-term vision. And I really, he's not here right now, but I really want to just say thank you to Rashlamo for bringing me on in this journey and just helping me grow as a person and helping Am Yisrael grow through this community. Um, the leadership of the Shul has been unbelievable. Toby... I mean, the, 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 I, 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 don't want, I don't want to mention people because I don't, I really, I, 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 don't, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave, I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out. But the amount of vision and the amount of courage and daring and planning and programming and fundraising that has gone into building up this machon has really been, really been unbelievable. And it's everybody's busy. Everybody has jobs. Everybody has families. Everybody has a shul to run. And the fact that people are taking time out of their schedule to build up again a makom Torah within this makom tefillah is really, is really, really unbelievable. Um, Moshe and Michal, Moshe Pollock and Michal, Michal Reinitz. Rav Shlomo is unbelievable. He's amazing. In terms of nuts and details, in terms of details of programming, in terms of timing, in terms of logistics, in terms of apartments, in terms of making people feel welcome, in terms of having a daily schedule. Without Michal Reinitz and without, without Moshe Pollock, nothing would happen. We would have a lot of ideas, a lot of visions. I would have a lot of source sheets, but they probably wouldn't be printed. Nothing would be organized. And, and we, we, really, we wouldn't have a functioning machon two, two weeks in. Um, so I really just want to say thank you to Moshe, thank you, thank you to Michal, you, 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 can, tell, you, can, tell, you, you can tell her. Um, and it's really, really unbelievable to be able to be working with such, with such dedicated people. 
And the whole community has really come out and welcomed us and really, and really, and, 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 and really been amazing. Um, I just want to just want to distribute the, the 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 source the source sheets for today, so we can go through the first two sources together um, in order to frame what we're going to be doing. Thank you. Oh, can I keep one for myself, please? That might be good. Yeah. I so the, hopefully, the goal of this, of, of this weekly, monthly, tri-monthly Iyun Shir is to have some, we'll figure it out as we go along, is to have some type of Iyun Gemara Halacha Kabura that runs parallel to what we're doing in the Machon. So in the Machon for Morning Seder, we're, we're studying the Halachos of Tzvilah. Halachos Tzvilah from the Gemara is down, starting with Simon Peites, Sif after Sif, from the Gemaras all the way down to contemporary Shailach and Shubas. So it makes sense that our first communal shi'a, our first shi'a, probably we should focus on something having to do with tefillah. But last night was the first night of Slikos. And Slikos really starts this, this two-week period. We spend a lot of time in shul, a lot of time reciting Slikos, a lot of time, a lot of time saying the same words. So I figured it made sense that we all just experience Slikos, maybe in different ways, that our first, our first topic of tefillah, we should look at through the lens of Slikos. And through the lens of something that in my own short life, I don't, I don't consider myself too old, I've noticed has been shifting in, in our community, in our community, in our community writ large. And it's something that I've tried to I've explored in the past in different settings from a chasidos machshava perspective. And here, because I don't think you need more chasidos and machshava here, um, I want to try to explore a little bit more from a halakhic perspective. And that's the shift from the sleep coast and maybe our grandparents or great grandparents, great grandparents experienced in Europe. Um, and the slikos that many of us experience today. If I throw out the word slikos, what type of, what type of emotions, what type of adjectives usually, usually arise in people's minds? Somber. Somber, good. Usually in a classroom, in a classroom setting, I get to call on people. In public settings, I, have t- I allow 10 awkward seconds of silence before I say the answer myself. So somber, yeah. Scary. Scary. Paka and Miriros, you go through memoirs of Talmidim that were in Musar Yeshivos in Europe in the 20th century. These are the emotions. Miriros, Bechi, bitterness, fear, Paka, the classic, classic story of the Mashkiach that gets up there, Shabbos Merakam Elo, he says Elo, and all of a sudden he faints. It's a very somber, scary feel. And there are many Yeshivos, many communities today, that really try to cultivate and foster this type of experience. I've said sleep close on the Yeshivos, I'm sure, I'm sure many, many of you, many of you had, had as well, have as well. And that is really the environment they're trying to foster. And it's hard. It's outside, it's beautiful weather. Usually, sleep, sometimes sleep will start at, you know, at the at, towards the end of the summertime. It's, people are going on trips, kids, kids, are going, kids are going back to school. There's often very simchadik, joyful avira outside. But inside, you're really trying to cultivate and experience an environment of fear, of somberness, of seriousness, of marigras and bachat. And that's why Mikasko Lavenstein, when the green Mashikim of the 20th century, in a, in a fairly well-known shmuz, told his Talmidim, do not leave yeshiva during Elul. Not just because you're going to miss out on seconds of learning Torah, but he said the moment you stand at that Takanat Odebus, the moment you stand at that, at that bus stop, even in B'nai Brak, and you see kids playing, and you hear people whistling tunes, he says it's going to ruin your Abira of Elul. The Abirav Elo is something that has to be actively cultivated. It's an Abirav Pachat, a fear of Mariras, of Bechi. You can't do that if you're interacting with the outside world. Therefore, he told people, he said one time he left, he had to go, he had to go somewhere, he was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was outside, he heard some kids whistling, a happy tune. It took him hours to get back to the point of, of Pachat, of Mariras, of Yira, that he felt is, is necessary for Slikos for the month of Elo. How many of us experience slikos in that way? I don't want to take a show of hands. Many of us, or many communities, have moved to the opposite extreme. I've been at slikos, first night of slikos, that have taken over two and a half hours. I was the only one there without an instrument, at least, at least that's what it seems. And the tunes were, well, there were some slow tunes of Tavikos, but there were also a lot of faster tunes, happier tunes, a lot of dancing in the middle of slikos, almost irrespective of what the words actually were. There was, a, there was a feeling of joyfulness, a feeling of simcha, a feeling of a feeling of kirva to Hashem, but not necessarily one of yira, of pachat, of mariras, of bechi, of charata, of anguish and, and agony that Rabino Yonah Shari Shuvah says is necessary for the Shuvah process. So what do we think about this shift? But a shift from fear, pachat, yira, mariras, to some level of dveikos, let's say, 
Let's talk about the opposite extreme of simcha. Tshuva through simcha, through dancing, through joyful music, through 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 diva kaveirim. So I can tell you what the internet thinks about such a shift. Um, last year, apparently, this phenomenon is becoming so popular that Gedolei Rabbanim, both in the Datilumi community and in the Haredi community, came out with kolkores against it. I didn't, I didn't want to put people's names on this, on the sheets, but just look at the first source. This is from a Rucheva, so you can imagine it's from a, Datilu, a prominent Datilumi Rav. Somebody asked him, this new fashion, Slichot Slichot with an accompaniment of musical instruments. It's a great experience. Great question. What's the response? This is not what Slichot is about. Save the concerts for Sukkot. This is not Chaviyah Muzikalit, this is not Simchadek, this is Pachan Miriras and Bachim. Go on to the Haredi world, Kikar Shabbos. Some of the quotes, they quote a prominent Sephardi Rav, Slichot in Kle Negina, Zekemol Achal Basar Bachalav. Basar Bachalav individually are fine. Basar is great, Bachalav is great. Together, it's Asar. Slichos are, are, are one, one experience. Kle Negina, having a concert, being Basimcha, something else. They shouldn't be mixed. Shiga'on v'tiruf. It's craziness. The slikot tzifim lohrid demaot v'tachanunim. You have to cry. You have to plead. Kitalim l'chor Hashem defakno d'lataka. We're knocking on Hashem's door as beggars. Where's the music? Where's the place of the symbol? So, as I'm sure Rav Shlomo has probably, has probably, has probably explored um, in, this, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the shul, in the community, or, or, more, or more broadly, and maybe we'll get to at the very end of the, of the sheer part, in the world of Chassidus, the world of Makshava, and the world of Rav Kuk, this, this shift is conscious. This shift is explicit. It's intentional. Where does it come from? What justifies it? How is it allowed? That's something which, uh, that's something which, God, which God, God, willing, God, willing, God, willing, God willing we can discuss. That the texture of truth changes as you get closer to the Gula. But I, what, I, what we want to do today is to save the Hasidus for the end and focus on the world of Halakha. Let's look at Poskim, at Nusikhilam and Shokhanarach, at Rishonim, when they describe Slichos. And try to figure out from the halakos to tease out concepts, tease out the, what is the nature of slikos, what are you trying to accomplish, how did this minute develop, and hopefully through an exploration of purely halakhic makaros, we will be able to see different ideas, different strands that have always existed in the Jewish community, at least in the Jewish Ashkenazi community, as to what the nature and the tenor and the texture and the experience of slikos is supposed to be about. And then we'll see that there really are different halakhic models. And then it makes sense that you could shift a little bit halakhic models from halakhic model A to halakhic model B over time as you maybe as you get closer to Mashiach, as you get closer to Eretz Israel, as generations change, or et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's the Godal, that is God willing, what we would like to do today. Um, so I just want to introduce what you'll be looking at in the source sheet and then, and then, and then, and then, um, and then break, for break, for, for break for breakfast and Seder. So in the source sheet, what it does, the topic doesn't start off with slichos, it starts off with tefillah. The Rambam counts not only one mitzvah d'oraisa of davening. The Rambam has two separate, distinct mitzvahs d'oraisa, biblical commandments to daven at various times. So we don't have one model of tefillah, even on a d'oraisa level, we have two models of tefillah. The first half of the source sheet is going, working that through. What are these two models of tefillah? What is the experience of, the, of, the, of these two models? How are they similar halakhically? How are they different halakhically? What are the emotions that are supposed to go into each one? What type of, what type of preparation, halakhically speaking, is necessary for each one? Once we get a sense of what the biblical models, the Doraisa models of tefillah are, then we can start working down to slichos. Slichos is a minhag. There are very few, there are no gemaras in this. I think there's one gemara in the sheets. But slichos is tosamud. It was made up by the, by the communities of the Gaonim after the gemara was already finished. But as we know about minhagib, we, we know about our customs, they're always modeled on halakhic principles. They're always modeled on things that exist in, in the Torah. So what we're going to be doing is then working through the, the, the minhag of slichos and trying to tease out which Lashonos, which type of tefillah are we drawing from when we're trying to figure out what our slichos should look like? And hopefully, after you, after you, after you go through the sheets, and, and we'll, we'll summarize, summarize it in a, in a share at the end, we'll be able to see there are two models of tefillah on a derisa level. There are two models of slichos, the way slichos is supposed to be said and experienced in the times of the Rishonim. And then, once you, once you have these two models in mind, then it makes sense we can start playing around with them a little bit and start shifting as generations need, as 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 as, 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 as Argadoli Makshava described. Um, 
that, that's more, that's more, that, that, that is more, if we accomplish that today, I will be very happy, and hopefully we'll have a better sense of whether or not synchotic slikos are appropriate, appropriate or not appropriate. I'm not a post-sig, I'm not going to post-sig it, but hopefully we'll have, we'll have a better sense. The plan of right now is as follows. There is breakfast upstairs in the, in the social hall. Whoever wants to partake, you go upstairs and partake. Um, their shear will start at 10.30 down here. So if you want to spend 20 minutes eating breakfast, 40 minutes learning, learning the Makaros, that's great. If you want to spend half hour eating breakfast, half hour learning the Makaros, that's great. If you feel like you should, have, you should be in a state of pachat and meriros and be cranky and not skip breakfast and just learn Torah, that's also great. Um, we'll reconvene here at 10.30 for a 40, 45 minutes here just to go through the Makaros together, to be able to learn through them together and get a better sense of what we're supposed to be feeling and doing and experiencing during, 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 the, during the time period of Slikos. The sources are, ha- are not, they're, they're, they're all in Hebrew, not in English, but there are guided questions along the way. So hopefully, hopefully they will be somewhat, somewhat easy to follow. And this is a work in progress. This is the first time I'm doing this. If the level is too hard, too easy, if I'm going too fast, going too slow, talk too much, talk too little, definitely feel free to, 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 to let me know, tell me know as we go along. So we'll take an hour break, food and food and learning, learning and food, and then God willing, we'll reconvene here at 10.30. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. um, so welcome back to this sheer part analysis. So again, the frame, what we're trying to figure out is this change in the texture and the mood of slikos, something more solemn, somber, mariristic, bechi, takanunim, yir, apakad, something that's slightly more simchadek, and we're going to try to see what the halakhan chorus have to say about this. So in order to get to slikos, first you have to deal with the models. Slikos is a minog, something that, something, something that developed, developed much later on in history, but clearly the chachamim, the gaonim, and the regular amka, when they were dealing and coming up with the minigos slikos, they were modeling it on, on something. So what are the models to erase of tefillah? How many mitzvahs of davening are there according to the Rambam? So, as, so what, what did you guys say? How many mitzvahs, there, how many mitzvahs to erase are there to daven? Two, two different mitzvahs. So what is the first one? This standard tefillah. Mitzvahs I say, what is the verb the Rambam uses? What is the mitzvah? What does the word litzpalel mean? Great. It translates something to Yiddish, so it becomes very, very understandable. Where in Tanakh is the word Litz Pavel used? Sefer Bracious, what does Yaakov say? So, what does Rashi say over there? What does Lo Filalti mean? It's something to do with, with, with Makshav, with, with thinking, with imagination. I never would have imagined, I never would have, I never would have reasoned that I would have, that I would have been able to see you, see you again. The root of the word tefillah, just based on biblical Hebrew, has something to do with a cognitive process of imagination, of reasoning. So the mitzvah says, let's follow the Chayom, what's the source? Ba'avatem is Hashem Elokeka. They have to serve Hashem. Mepiyo shemu olamdu, sh'avodu zohi tefillah, sh'namar ulavdol b'chol levavchem. Avodu sh'avolev is tefillah. What does the word lev mean in this context? The heart? Not the physical organ, but something to do with machshava, something to do with emotions. In, within the Rambam, Avodah Shabbalev is going to be very focused on cognitions, on concentration, on thoughts, and hopefully, God willing, we'll have a chance to explore that. What are the components of this mitzvah? What do you have to do to be Yotzei this mitzvah de Oresa? Rambam and Lachabez says there are three parts. There's, there's Shava, Bakasha, Hoda, which roughly follows our Arshmon Esrei. Say, God is great, ask Hashem for something, and say thank you. Fantastic. And that is the standard mitzvah deraisa of daily of daily tefillah, according to the Rambam. And upon that, Chazal said, you're supposed to have it three times a day, connect the karbanos, the chuleh, the chuleh. If you fast forward a couple of books in the Rambam, you get to the Rambam Melchus Tainos. And there, the Rambam seems to, seems to say, there is another mitzvah deraisa of, of some type of prayer service. Over here, what is the verb the Rambam uses? Liz Oak. What does Liz Oak mean? To scream out, to cry out. So what are you doing together with this screaming out? You're blowing something. So both you're screaming, it doesn't seem to have words, or the words don't seem to be the main point. You're just screaming out, and you're blowing a chatzotzer, you're blowing a shofar, similarly. You're just blowing out, you're making sounds, you're screaming out, but you're not necessarily focusing on certain themes, focusing on certain words. There's no bakasha, there's, there's no bakasha, shabach, and or, or huda. What triggers the obligation to daven in this format of za'aka? A tzara, a called tzara shetavo al some type of communal tzara. And the pasuk over here is not the pasuk of avoda, which has which has the connotations of 
it's very ritualized, it's something which you have to work on, it's something you have to concentrate on. Here the Pasuk is Variosa Makatotros. It doesn't even talk about you using your mouth. The original Pasuk talks about what? There's a time of Sarah, there's a crisis, there's a war, what are you supposed to do? Blow the shofar. Look at the Sefer Achinach, he doesn't even mention this as a mitzvah of tefillah. He doesn't say you have to say anything. It's not on the Torah sheet, but the Sefer Achinach just says, the mitzvah is to blow shofar, blow chatzotzos. Nothing to do with your mouth, nothing to do with you with your, with your words. It's a mitzvah to blow shofar in the time of crisis. The Ramam says, if you're blowing shofar, what do we know about shofar? It's integrated into our tefillah. The Stamma, there is also a mitzvah for you to do something. What are you doing? Something similar to shofar, which is a wordless cry just screaming out. At the end of at the at the end of the uh, of this Rambam, I mean, if, you, if you turn to page number two, the Rambam does refer to what you're doing as a tefillah. Look at the last line. There's a medivri sofrim this anos called tzara shetava al tzibur ad shiruchamum in hashemayim. Midiravanan, you know, the mitzvah is only not only to daven but also to fast until Hashem has mercy on you. Uvimei tanios ha'ilu zo'akin betfilos u'mischananim u'meriim machatzotzros. So the Raman does refer to what you're doing in the noun form as a tefillah. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to have a wordless cry. On a derisive level, maybe it's a wordless cry. But Midirabana, it's a tefillah. There is some content to what you're saying. And you know, what does the Gemara say you're supposed to, what, what is the text that we say on a fast day, according to the Gemara, that is Zohakin B'tefillah? The Gemara mentions two things that we still say today, Avinu Malkeinu and, and the Aninus. A whole, whole series of brachos at the end of Shimon Esrei, which they added on as an inus. Those are the tefillos that we say. But the mitzvah doraisa is a za'aka, is a primal cry, just screaming out to Hashem, similar to the sound of a shofar that doesn't actually have doesn't actually have any words. So if you go through the Rambam, there are these two mitzvahs doraisa that we have. We have a mitzvah doraisa hispalo every day, and we have another mitzvah doraisa to be zoic, to be zoic, to cry out together with the shofar, together with the katsotros in, in a time of crisis. And whenever we have two mitzvahs, which seem to be somewhat similar, both of them happen, let's say, in a shul. Both of them happen with a sitter in front of you. Both of them happen with you, when you're thinking that you're, that you're talking to Hashem. It's, it's, it behooves us to try to figure out in what ways are these similar and what, way are the, what ways are these halakos different. And then we'll be able to see, once we have a better sense of what these are, we'll be able to, to, move, to move on to slikos and see which, which one slikos is, mo- is modeled after. So... These differences might be somewhat intuitive, but it's always good, always good to see them inside. The first difference is in terms of decibel levels. How loud is your davening supposed to be? So there's a whole history of this, which hopefully we'll be able to explore, explore at a later point. But if you just read the Gemaras, daily davening, what is the decibel level of the daily davening? What is a shul supposed to look like in the ikar part of davening? What do you think? Where you davening? Where you davening? Great question. Say davening at the Kotel Basikin. It's an amazing experience. Right? Everybody gets up to Shimon Esrei. It's loud. At Basikin, you can hear a pin drop. Total, total silence. Where does that come from? Most houses of worship around the world and other religions, there's a lot of sound, a lot of noise. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. Where, why do we have total silence during, Ikar, during the Ikar Shimon Esrei? Good, precisely. Avodah Shebelev. And who's the model for that? The model that is Chana. Chana is davening, but she's not, but she's not making any sounds. Eli can't, Eli can't make out any words. First, he thinks she's crazy. She's drunk. And then later on, Eli discovers that this is actually the right way to daven. Why is it the right way to daven? Avodah Shabbalev is supposed to be something, it's supposed to be something internal. So God willing, God willing, that is what, that is what, that is what some Rishonim say. Rashi, though, gives you a very simple explanation, a theological explanation. And so source number five. Why is davening supposed to be silent, supposed to be whispered? There's a whole machlokas. Are you supposed to even hear your own <coughs> words when you're davening Shon Esrei? Because what do, Rashi says, source number five, Harizan Ketani Emuna, Ke'ilu e'en akadosh baruchu shamea tefilas lachash, magbiya harbe. Screaming out in davening is like pagan. It's like God, it's like it's like what Elio said to Nevi'i Haibal. You think you think your God is asleep, so maybe you have to scream out more so he hears you. What do we believe about a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Hashem knows, Hashem is Yudea, Umazin, Tfilos. We don't have to wake up Hashem, we don't have to get Hashem's attention. Hashem listens to our Tfilos. So it's not even a Bodhisattva, like David? 
like, like, like David said, that something is supposed to be something internal. According to Rashi, it's a theological statement about the way Hashem is present in our lives and pays attention to us. We don't have to make a big deal of things. We don't have to scream. Hashem is going to listen to us if we're heartfelt, whether or not we raise our voice. Without that, lave in Tanakh is the source of machshava, yes. not, not the source of regular. Yes, 100%. It's could be the source of both. And that's why I mentioned that within the Rambam, avodah shebelev is, um, is almost entirely used in the sense of concentration, of uh, almost like a meditative state. It's not really, it's used much less in the sense of emotions. The result of you, your concentration is going to be an emotional state of a feel of ava. But the halachic term of Buddha Shabalev, for the Rambam at least, is used in a sense of concentration. Fantastic. What about Tzfilah Tzaka? What about Tzfilah Natanis? What is the decibel level? What, what does the shul look like when there's a crisis? So what the very word Tzaka, what does it mean? Screaming. The Rambam uses the word Tzaka in the Kotaret. Screaming, crying. Shofar is loud. You can't blow the shofar quietly. They tried to do that during times of Roman persecution. They blew the shofar in the, you know, in the, in the pits and things like that. But the shofar is supposed to be a loud thing. It's supposed to be a rallying cry. Who asked this question? If tefillah is supposed to be quiet, why do, why, why, why do we have a concept of tefillah b'tzaka? The mabit. The mabit was Moshe the Troni. He lived in spot at the same time as, as the Shulchan Aruch, as the Beis Yosef, as the Arizal. He's one of the Mikubalim and major post-Kehalacha in spot during the 16th century. And importantly for us, he wrote a whole sefer, one of the earliest sefarim dedicated to tefillah. He asked this question. The Gemara says, he quotes Ramam after Ramam, Ramam Paskins, tefillah is supposed to be balachash. And yet, what do we find in Tanakh? Source number six. It's like person after person in Tanakh did not daven balachash. You're hard-pressed to find a single person who daven balachash in Tanakh. It happens to be Chana. And Chana becomes a motto, halakhakli for Artilos. If you go through a tzadah, people scream out their tilos. Let, let's, just, let's, just look, let's just look look at a couple a, a couple of lines over here, source number six, the bottom of page two. For Yiksha Lose, he quotes the Rambam about davening Balakaj. He says, I have a question. All throughout Tanakh, people scream out their tilos. The fact that Ramam uses the word se'akad to describe tefillah is there in all the psukim. Look at the next page, page number three. Moving to this quickly, I want to spend a little bit more time on the slikos part. The third line. I could could explain it to you. The the mitzvah of daily davening that is not in a time of a crisis that is supposed to be more contemplative, more meditative, with concentration, internal work. But if you are dominating a time of crisis, it is a spontaneous cry. You can't ask somebody who's in a crisis, there's a war going on, there's COVID, something crazy is happening in the world, and you, you're asking the person, think, theologically, does God hear your prayers when you're whispering? Is God present in your life? That is the type of question you're supposed to be asking somebody on a daily basis. You want to connect with Hashem through Tzvilu, to think, to concentrate, to be omid the Hashem. Then you have to think, think through the theology. Does Hashem need me to cry? But if you're davening a time of crisis, but what the Torah wants is to have this natural, religious, spontaneous reaction. A crisis, what do I do? I cry out to my parents. I cry out to Hashem. He is the source of, he's the address right now. And he wants me to come to him spontaneously. So therefore the emotions, the crying, has to be there. And that is not just a nice idea, that is embedded in the halakhic system, according to the, according to the, according to the Mavit. That's why you cry out in a loud voice. Hashem wants you to live that pain, not to say, "Oh, God will take care of it. Everything is for the best," and, and try and, and, and try to and try and, and try to try to try to avoid feeling the pain. No, there's a crisis. Hashem wants you to feel the crisis, feel the failure, feel the feel the fear, but spontaneously become a person who reacts by crying out to Hashem. And that is the purpose of a tzvila 
go down to the second underlying part, also a very beautiful line. When you're in a time of crisis, you can't expect the person to concentrate. You can't expect the person to think. You, you react emotionally. The Torah wants us to react emotionally by realizing we have to cry out to Hashem. So far, so good? So, yeah. Uh, you're, you're saying even in daily davening, is there room for tefillah for tefillah b'kol? Yeah. So the answer answer is yes. And there's a there's a whole there's a sif in Shulchan Aruch that goes through different sugyos that there is room for tefillah b'kol even during daily davening. So kedusimra because kriyas shema maybe more shemona esrei maybe maybe if you're doing it if you're davening by yourself privately and you daven more kavana b'kol Shulchan Aruch says you're allowed to daven b'kol but if you're davening b'tzibur you don't want to be that one guy who's screaming Ashman esrei at the kotel and everything else is quiet. Um, so you have to be cognizant of what, what other people around you are going through. But the answer is yes. Daily tefillah as well. In certain settings, if it's more your kavanah more, there is room for tefillah, for tefillah b'kol as well, even for Shemana Esrei. Fantastic. So the first difference between, halakhic difference, between tefillah, of daily tefillah and tefillah be'isara is a decibel level, which has to do with, with the, how spontaneous it is. Is it, yeah. uh, is it the case that you're doing it with Tanaka or Beit Sarah, it's because that's your natural reaction. But if it's that ITV, you should be in that ITV, you could be Primal, not in a negative way. Primal in a in a, in a spontaneous religious instinct, instinctive way. Then my it's like if you have a kid who has an asara, their instinct is to cry out to their parents. Hashem wants us to develop ourselves into some types of people that when we're in a crisis, we spontaneously cry out to Hashem. That's not a lack of concentration. That shows a more sophisticated and cultivated religious sensibility. Every day, if you cry out every day, then you have then there's some theological issues that you you think you have to wake up Hashem, so to speak. But in certain times of our lives, just crying out is exactly what Hashem wants us to do. And that's why it's codified as a mitzvah, not as a b'diyavad, but as a real mitzvah in the Torah. A second distinction, which is related, is the emotional state of the person when they're davening. So if the mabit is right, that it's supposed to be a primal cry when there's an isara, so the emotional state of the mitzvah is somebody who feels in crisis. They feel the fear. They feel the pakad. So they cry out to Hashem. What about daily davening? What is supposed to be the mood, the vibe, of a shul during daily prayer service? So I'm a little bit scared to, to, um, to, to speak about this here in front of, in front of Rosh Hashanah, but I cherry-picked the makaros that are going to fit. So, <laughs> so if, you look at, if you look at the beginning of the fifth paragraph of Rokos, there are there's a Mishnah, and there are three or four different statements, depending on how you count, of Ein umdim netzfilah el mitoch. Preparations for tefillah are supposed to be X, Y, and Z. What does the Mishnah say? Inon the tefillah el mitoch, kovid rosh. Kovid rosh. The Gemara says is ibdu as Hashem beyura. Rashi says hachna ushvira salev. One type of davening. If you go into the next amud, go into the next amud. The Gemara says source number seven. Tanarabanan. Inon the tefillah vomitok atzvos, vomitok atzvos, vomitok skop, vomitok sicha, vomitok halos rosh. You can't be sad, you can't feel lazy, you can't be joking, you can't have a regular conversation, you can't feel lightheaded. You're supposed to enter the enter davening with the mood that you that you gain from do from Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Yumar says you're supposed to Tamam Orion Lauren Psukim in the Vim Akronim, but Psukim of Nachama. They were Mesameach there. So they got the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And they read psukim, they were, they were menach, psukim, psukim of Nachama, they were able to describe the ultimate ge'ula, so they were in the proper simchadik mood for davening. How this relates to the opening Mishnah, yet you need Kovid Rosh and Yira, is a, is a discussion in the Rishonim. But we have this statement that in omdin l'spalel, el mitok simcha shal mitzvah. Why? Why is it a good idea to be for simcha when you're davening daily? Look at the Ritva, it's a fascinating line. Source number eight. The Ritva says, 
Rav Ashi Avit Kivraisa, Pirish Lutzlui Mitok Semcha, Rav Ashi acted like this Braisa, meaning he dived in Mitok Semcha, Mitok Simcha Sichlo Shal Adam Mizgaber Rupatuach. What impact does Simcha have on the psychology of a person? What does it do to a person's mindset? The Sichel of the person, Mizgaber Rupatuach, it's strengthened and it's more open. You feel like you're in a wider. You feel like you're in a wider space. Possibilities are open. You can think things through in a, in a more in a more sophisticated and delicate fashion. When you feel sad, you feel closed off. You can't concentrate. You can't think things through properly. So it's a fascinating thing. You could. You, there are many different directions to go in in terms of why simcha should be the modality, should be the preparation for tefillah. But according to the Ritzva, why is simcha the proper way to daven? On a daily basis, it opens you up. Opens you up to experiences. Opens you up to be able to think about Hashem. Opens you up to the world of imagination that is that's required to imagine you are standing in front of Hashem. That is the total opposite of Tefillah the Isara. You might feel far from Hashem and you're just screaming out, God save me. That's definitely not me talk Simcha, that's me talk Tsara, Pachad, and Yura. So far, so good. So we have two two types of Tefillah Deraisa. We have Tefillah every day. Let's assume now Simcha. Concentration, a more contemplative, concentrating, low level, low, 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 low decibel level of environment. Tefillah mitok tsaaka, crisis, crying out, feeling fear, feeling threatened, just a wordless cry out to Hashem. Which tefillah are we trying to do when we say slichos? Intuitively, what would you think? Tzaka. It's it's only it's it's so mitbakesh. It's clear that the tefillah we're trying to do at Slichos sounds like it's a tefillah of Tzara, tefillah of Zaka. It's a minhag of Slichos, but it's a modeled upon those tefillahs. And you find, you find not just, yeah, sorry, Shaka. Is that the same as that equivalent to begging? So it's. When you ask, Saying it's the same thing as tefillah based start. So that's a, the, the aninos are the same in Antanas and at the end of Slichos. I mean, they're not exactly the same, but the same formulation of aninu. I hear your question, Shakar. The, the begging aspect, the, his his chanin, that's actually a verb that Ram uses both in in, bo, in both types of tefillah. Uh, the word tachanunim and the chanin. So I have, I, don't, I don't think I have to think about that, think about that more. How the begging factors into both. Yeah. Okay. In what way? Um, uh, Rabbi Salvechik thought that slichos on Atanis is an extension of the Shemona Esre of the day. It's part of the tefillah of the Tanis. So it has the mood and emotion of the Tanis, which is why slichos on Atanis is said after the Shemona Esre. As opposed to slichos in Elo and Saras and Yeshuba, is its own tefillah, standalone. These are days of Rachamim, and as a result, we add a new tefillah. Instead of having three tefillahs, we have four tefillahs. Which is why the slichos of the Saras and Yeshua and Elul are standalone. They're they're not after the Shmona Esrei. They're Fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that very much. I only knew there are salvation about the Chazan continuing all the way through, which not links them. I wasn't familiar with the other ones. Thank so thank you for that. Um, just to see a, a clear expression of the fact that halakhically speaking, our slikos are defined as a tefillah of Esar. So if you got up to source number nine, maybe up to up to up to up to short the Makor sheets or or skip breakfast, we'll see. Um, the the tour brings down a minav which we don't follow nowadays. The tour writes, "V'nogin b'sfarad shigam b'shabes marbin lomar slichos v'tachanunim." Do you think in in Spain in the medieval medieval period they said slichos on Shabbos of Aseres Mitzvah? 
And the tour, who grew up in Germany and fled to Spain with his fled to Spain with his father, said, like I came to Spain, all of a sudden, davening on Shabbos, Aseris and Mishuva, I was like ten times as long. I'm Tamea Almanaga. Show Ain Marian Bashabis, because you're not supposed to have these types of tefillos on Shabbos. You're not supposed to say bakashos on Shabbos in this way. Pirish Lomorha Anios. You're not supposed to say Anin Anino on Shabbos. And that's why Enoagin came, that's why we, good Ashkenazi Jews, we don't say Shlichos on Shabbos. And for some reason, Spartan, even though they have a month long Shlichos, they end up, they, the minute today, I think, is that they skip Shlichos on Shabbos, Abbasaris and Yichud. So the Beisil Seif, who you know, grew up in Spain, he wants to defend this the Sephardi practice. So what does the Beisil Seif say? What justifies the practice of saying Shlichos even on Shabbos? Where in Masalakas Tanis do we find that you're allowed to daven, but call B'tza'aka, with Aminus, on Shabbos? Yosef says, open up the Mishnah, not your test. When there is a tsara that befalls the entire tzibor in the time of crisis, you're allowed to go through the whole tefillah of, that we say on fast days, even on Shabbos. Look at the base Yosef inside. The end of the first line. Nearly ten times in the I want to explain the Sephardi practice. Shem sovrim If there is a non-Jewish army attacking you, you say slikos, you say aninos, even on Shabbos. Look at the third to last line. He quotes the Rambam in Hilkostanis, exactly our Rambam, third to last line, after the parentheses. The kevan de vaseris in mechuva atfil in the shmaz yosem, yom elchirim. The gan beosan hayamem adam mucha nios nigbardino, yom elchirim. In chadavar nachot yoter mizeh. We are in a spiritual time period of a Sarah. We're not being attacked, thank God, by, non- by marauding non-Jews. There's no, we're not in a, we're not in a time of a time a time of a magifa, but this time of year, if he's talking about Asaris and Mitshuva, but the minute extends it through before Hashanah as well, is defined as an Asara, it's a communal crisis. Because the din is going to be nigmar in us, and we don't know what our din personally and communally is going to be. Therefore, it has a halakhic status of an Asara, and therefore you're allowed to say slikos, this type of slikos, even on Shabbos, even though it's going to ruin the Shabbos mood. This is not my ha'ara. I, I saw this in several different accordions. Rav Salvechik has, has a piece on this. Rav Yerucham Olshten, the, the, the Rashiva, Rashiva Likud, has a beautiful, beautiful sarum in the Maladim. He has a whole piece on this. The tefillah on Rashan Yom Kippur has a halachic status of a, of a communal crisis of tefillah based sarum. Fantastic. That makes sense. Tefillah aslichos is modeled after the ace sara type of tefillah. It's not only true, you find expressions of this in other places as well. Ashazi practice is that we, there are always four days of slikos. Why are there always four days of slikos? We're not going to read it inside. So the Bush says, because what was the old practice back back in medieval Europe when they fasted like every other day? They fasted, and they were no, they were tovil b'shaleg and did all, did all those things. They fasted the entirety of Aseris and Mitshuva. But there are four days during Aseris and Mitshuva that you can't fast. You have two days Rosh Hashanah, Shabbos, and Erev Yom Kippur. So you don't want to, obviously you don't want to miss out on the fast days. So what do you have to do? You have to be mocked in the fast days before Rosh Hashanah. So the original minog, according to the Levush, of why we have slikos for Rosh Hashanah, so it's not even about slikos. What did they do in Ashkenaz, medieval Ashkenaz? They would fast for four days before Rosh Hashanah. Once you're fasting, what type of tefillah do you do on a fast day? Tefillah be'asaka, so you said slikos as well. Why do we always start on a Moti Shabbos? Why do we always start on a Sunday? Because he says you don't want to make it confusing. You want people to know you have to go to Shul at the same, same time every year, so you always, you always start on a Sunday morning. But the original minute of our Ashkenazi practice, the starting when we start, is in order to be able to fast for four days before Rosh Now that we're half an hour in, and we have, we have ten minutes to go, let's get to the main. Let's get to the main source. Is Forty minutes a good amount of time? Sure. Tell you. I think people pay more attention if you tell them how much time is going on. So we're, we're ten, ten, ten minutes away from the end. The Lavush is a is an Akron. The Leket Yosher, source number 12, is one of the late Rishonim, 15th century. Leket Yosher, his name was Yosef Ostreicher, lived in Austria. He was a Talmud of the Truma Sadeshin. Truma Sadeshin of Yisrael Israel was one of the great, great Ashkenazi postgame. It gets quoted all over Turbi Sosif Shachan Arach. He is the, one of the fathers of Ashkenazi practice. So Leket Yosher, Yosef, Yosef Ostreicher, went to learn by the Truma Sadeshin. And then a couple years later, he went home. And he realized all of a sudden, people were asking him all sorts of questions. What does the Shuma Sadeshin say about this? What does Shuma Sadeshin say about that? What did you see your Rebbe do in this, in this situation, that situation? He's like, I don't know. Like, some, some, things, some things I remember, some things I don't remember, some things I never asked him. He went back to the Shuma Sadeshin, and he started, started writing down the practices of his Rebbe. 
of the Trumas Adasha, because he saw there was a Bikush. And he, saw, he says in the introduction, I saw my Rebbe was getting older, and he's not going to be alive for so many more years, and there's so much of a Bikush, people want to know what is the Trumas Adasha doing. So he's trying to write down everything, record everything that the Trumas Adasha said or did. He said after a couple of weeks doing this, his Rebbe got, got wind of the fact. He was like literally writing everything down. The thing is like a modern thing. People following around Shem Zalman Arbach and like writing down everything he says. Apparently this, this existed in the 15th century as well. And I don't know if he, but I, he says, he, I already noticed I was doing this. I don't know if he expressed disapproval, not disapproval. At the end of the day, he published a safer. So this Leka Yosher, it gets quoted sometimes in, among, in, among, um, in, uh, in the Shulchan Aruch Nosei Kelim, and it's assumed to be an authoritative source about the Minhagim and the practices of the Trumas Adeshen. Trumas Adeshen is one of the fathers of Ashkenazi Psak. He also wants to defend the practice that we start, always start Slikos on a Sunday. Why? Look at the Lakat Yosher. This is an amazing, amazing Marmakom. I did not believe this was in Rishon until I saw it inside. Somebody told me about it, like it has to be something like Hasidic Sefer that just like, you know, it's like masquerading as Rishon. <laughs> Write as follows. The Olam Omdin Biyom Rishon. You always start Slikos on, this, on, the, on Sunday. Omdin is the Russian of Tzvila, and he uses Omdin in terms of Slikos. That's, all, that's also important. Mishum Shu Samach not because we always, we always want to start on a Kavua day, because it's after Shabbos. What do people do on Shabbos? They learn Torah. People have time to learn on Shabbos. They're not, they're not at work. The Truma Session brought a mashal. It said that when Jews came into Eretz Israel from the Midbar, Torah started morning. Because the Torah said in the Midbar nobody was working, so people were able to learn all day. Now that Jews, and Jews are in Eretz Israel, they're going to have to work the land, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to build up a state, they're going to have to do all these things, they're not going, to, not going to have time to learn Torah anymore. So the Torah was in mourning. So again, if you're a Rav Kook Jew, what's the answer to that going to be? Everything you do is, uh, is, is part of Avodah it's part of Torah. What did the Truma Sedashan say? He's quoted quote a mashal. Look at the third to last, third line, last word in the line. Amar Kadesh Baruch Hu, mashal l'shtei akayos. Hashem told Torah on Shabbos, Jews are not going to work, they're going to learn Torah on Shabbos. That's why the Menach and Ashkenaz is to start Slikos on Mosei Shabbos. People are happy, Mitzvah, when they learn Torah on Shabbos, they got Machmas Onik Shabbos. They were in a good mood. They just came out of Simcha Shalmitzvah of Onik Shabbos. They are minan ein hashchina shore lo Machmas Aslots lo matan lo mitok atzvos elam mitok Simcha Shalmitzvah. What does it take for the Shechina to come down? Not the Gemara Brachos we quoted the Gemara on Shabbos. Simcha Shalmitzvah. V'chein tov lehaskel lispadel mitok shed Simcha Shalmitzvah. They got a piyutisko b'motzai menucha. According to the Trimas Adeshen, the father of Ashkenazi Psak, why do we start Slikos on Motsai Shabbos? Simcha Shalmitzvah. Shabbos is time to learn Torah. Shabbos is a time of mitzvah. It's time of Onik Shabbos. What did the Gemara and Brachos teach us about Tefillah? Supposed to go in, we talk Simcha Shalmitzvah. In a Shechina Shora, we talk Simcha Shalmitzvah. This is not the Tefillah of Za'aka of Eish Tzara, that have a primal cry out of fear and out of feeling threatened. This is the tefillah of Simcha Shalmitzvah. And that is why Ashkenazim start Slikos on Motsai Shabbos, according to the Shumas Neshed, to be able to go in from Simcha Shalmitzvah into this time period of the first Slikos. What, which model of tefillah is he clearly drawing on? Daily tefillah, not tefillah of Eisterah. This actually has halakhic ramifications, this, this like a Yosher. What is the ideal time to say Slikos? You go back to the old men in Ashkenaz, go back to the tour, to the Ramah, see from and Hagim. What did they all say? What is the best time to say Slikos? Bashmura Sabokir. Source 13 and 14, you can read it inside. If you want to look at the Ramah, we will look at the source of the Ramah, see from and Hagim. The best time to say Slikos is immediately before Alos HaShachar. That's considered an Israt zone. Hashem is shot. Gemara Nebodazar says, Hashem wanders around all the Yuchas Salamos during the night. As it gets closer to the morning, Hashem is Nimsab Olamazah. That's the time to say Slikos. There's another minute developed to say Slikos after Chatzos. It has to do with the fact that the Zohar says that Chatzos is also an Yisrat zone, but the original meaning Ashkenaz was to say Slikos in the morning. And that is what many good God-fearing Jews they do. They want to keep the minute Ashkenaz and say Slikos in the morning. When is there a minute? Even among Jews that always say Slikos early in the morning, 
to say it at Chatzos. Motzei Shabbos. Look at source number 15, Sefer Yoda Demuna. I got my hands on a Sefer. It's a Hashkaka Protest Maisa. My grandmother has had a friend who lived in Vayipagan, whose son was an Avrech, who wrote the Sefer, Sefer Yoda Demuna. His last name is Rosen, Rav, Rav Rosen. And my, my grandmother's friend, who is the mother of the author of the Sefer, wanted to spread the Sefer. So she gave my grandmother some sparia. My grandmother gave me one, so it's there on my shelf. It's a fantastic sefer. He goes through Raman Sefer Amitzvos. In the back, his father was a Talmud of Rav Gusman. Rav Gusman was the youngest dying in Vilna pre-World War II. He survived the war as a partisan. A crazy, amazing story. First, it's opened up a yeshiva in Netzach Israel in Brooklyn, and then opened up a yeshiva in Netzach Israel in Rechavia. One of the gedoli, gedoli, gedoli of Russia yeshiva and poskim of, of the 20th century. Unbelievable, unbelievable, un- unbelievable hasmada, unbelievable even. Everything of Gusman did was a chapsa shalsora. Look at source number 15. Rosh Yeshiva, a governor of Gusman, hayori the slichos shemotzei menucha, the yeshiva bechatzos avayla. In his yeshiva, every day slichos was before before daybreak. Mosei, the first night of slichos was Mosei Shabbos. Why? For ayin beleket yosher. He quoted beleket yosher. Yoklaka Yosher says, Slichos Mosai Shabbos is not connected to Sunday. What's it connected to? To Shabbos. The Rishum Kafa, you mean, how go the Hasmikos of Slichos, the Rishum, the Shabbos Kodesh? Kvarba Katsos, no more Slichos. You don't want to go to sleep in between, wake up Sunday morning and say Slichos. You want your Slichos to be connected to Shabbos. And that's why Rav Gusman says Slichos at Katsos. And I think that's a minog min- of many, many, many communities. Only in the night of Slichos, in the first night of Slichos, to have Slichos at Katsos. One other halakhic napkino, that word that gets quoted. What begadim, what levush do you wear to slichos at Chatzos last night? I'm not going to take a poll over here. Look at source number 16. Megid Gidlos Olam. This is our Mikkel Shurkin, uh, from Great Talmud of Slavajic, author of Har Ekedem. He also wrote a sefer called Megid Gidlos Olam, where he records different hanhagos that he saw among different Gidol Israel. Did anybody here, anybody here learn by Learn in Taras Moshe by Shurkin? I never learned by Shurkin, but I spent a decent amount of time with him. It's a fantastic Tamachacham. Really, really, really an, un- an unbelievable, an unbelievable personality. Really feels the need to like, give over the Masora. He saw European gadol. He was an American kid. He was introduced to European gadolim as, 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 as a young man. He just wants to give over those anhagos, that Masora, that those traditions, in addition to the lamdos, to, to, young, to young people. He quotes in this in the in the sefer. Hagana Shemazam and Arabak, source number sixteen. But change into big dechol. The Amar, Shlomo Zaman Arbach said, Shein Shaykos bin Slikos Eilu Shabbos. Shaykos bin Slikos Eilu Shabbos. Shabbos, you don't say Slikos. It's a Chaldic activity. Get it out of Big Day Shabbos. If you look in the Penini, if in Rav Malamed, not in Penini Halakha, but he has these essays, Revivim, that he, uh, that he, um, that he publishes, publishes weekly. So one from a couple years ago, he quotes his Lekad Yosher, and he says, I think this is the minog that many people have to show up on the first night of Slikos with Big Day Shabbos. He quotes like a Yosher, source number 17. Generally speaking, the best time for Slikos is early in the morning. You want to connect it to Shabbos as much as possible because you're supposed to take that mood of Shabbos, the Simcha Shabbos, the Onega Shabbos, and bring it into the Slikos. Yeah. So says it's not connected to Shabbos, then why does his practice to say Slikos the Shabbos? Shabbos? The, 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 um, the pismon is So the Archa Shokan says it's because I to say it when it's Samot Shabbos. So you say it at it's not Sunday morning. So why was the practice evolved that way? I'm not sure. But that's like the, the simple, the, I think this, the more the simple shot. It's kind of mimic, but he definitely, but he wanted to be... To show it's a choldic activity. Yeah, there was, there was a choldic activity that changed. Exactly, exactly. Um, one other possible thing, the Mate Ephraim quotes a minog, that Avelim should not daven fiyam but it's No debuta says there's no source for this. He says he has a, no debuta has a chuba to a, sounds like a young rabbi in the community. Somebody made a tumult about this, that there was an Avel who didn't want to daven for, didn't want to daven for Slikos, and the rub the rub the shul, the young rub said, No, you you could have it, there's nothing wrong with it, and it created a whole controversy. No, the video's like, young rabbi, my student, you're 100 percent right. Why can't an Avil Davin Slikos? Slikos are about din, and Avil has din matuakalab, so of course you could have in Slikos. But the Matthew Ephraim, who recorded all the Minhagim of the Yom and Arayim, records its practice that an Avil should not dab for the Amad of Slikos. Doesn't explain why. Maybe you could say if there's a little bit of simcha 
in Slichos, the Chagim and Shabbos, the reason why an Avel doesn't happen is because those are Yemei Simcha. Um, so maybe that's why that's why an, that's why an Avel can't can't happen in the Avel and Slichos. Again, the, it's not it's not the way I practice today, and that is just a suggestion. I don't really have a source for that. Yeah. I'm not sure if I follow that logic because if you're saying that it's not the Zappa, then it's Right. So daily tefillah, we'll see. It, 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 it doesn't. It's not the only modality. There are other rishonim according to the pasuk differently in terms of simcha shalatzah. I think that's why you can't learn rishonim yom kippur. You can't have din on hips. You don't want your shneach to be thrown in the throne of God. Right. So there, there are two opposing reasons. <coughs> One is because din matuach alav, and the other reason is because rishonim yom kippur also have din, also have a status of yemei simcha, um, and therefore an avol shouldn't be shouldn't down for the amud like on a regular chag. So it's both reasons appear. Both reasons appear. So just to conclude, is there a halachic basis for the model that that slichos are modeled after daily tefillah, which might or might not have a simchotic component to them? I think yes. I think it's a fantastic maramakom. Zalaka Yosher, again, Truma Sadashen, Father Ashkenazi Psach, you want to go into your slichos, mitok simcha shal mitzvah, mitok onik shabbos, mitok simcha of simcha of lima Torah. Once you have these two opposing models, obviously this was not the dominant model throughout 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 Ashkenazi Jewish history. Slichos were a time of Mariros, a Bechi, a Pachat, a Vira, Tachanunim, Kadal Mokarashim, Tafakta Dosefa. So why now is this model awakening? And all of a sudden you see Ramalamid quoting it. You see Rabbi Gusman bringing it back into Talachic discourse. You see Rabbi Yeshua Shapira, if you go online, he has a whole shear based on this Lekad Yosher about the, about, the, about the meaning of Slichos. Why was this Lekad Yosher rediscovered in the, 20, in the 20, 20th and 21st century? I'm not a Navi, I don't know. But just, just to conclude, look at, look at source number 20. This source number 20 is from a mimer of the Babish Rabbi, Tafshin Membav. This was 1985, the year I was born, a couple months after I was born. Babish Rabbi is great, but I get to situate his sequels in terms of pre Yosef and post Yosef. The ones that are post Yosef I feel much more connected to because they're like, they were sad when I was already, when I was already in this world. So I, I feel more connected to them. But this is the this is the Maimar. Maimar is the is the more sorry. That probably sounded very egotistical. <laughs> it's like I think it's Calvin. Maybe I should mention this. The Calvin and Hobbes joke, where Calvin, oh Calvin, somebody asked Calvin, Miss Wilmer, this teacher, asked Calvin, um, when did the when did when did American independence happen? So he, he on his test he wrote 200 BC. She marked it wrong. She came over to her and said, BC is before Calvin. So, <laughs> um, so I think, and the more when the Shema took away, I feel more connected to the Sikos that were said in, when I was ready in this world. So this is a Tashim Mimbav. This is, this Maimar is a fantastic Maimar. It's very involved. But the key lines for us is that he goes through that there are two types of Chuva in Chabad literature. There's Chuva Tata, lower Chuva, with the Chuva Mariro, Sapafa, the regular Chuva you might get if you reach our Chuva Rabbiniona. Then there's Chuva Ila, which is, which is something that's supposed to be done on Shabbos. Something that is supposed to be done mitok simcha, returning to the source, returning to the place where you're supposed to be. In Tanya, it's very clear. There's a sequence. First you do chuba tata, and then you do chuba ila. What did the Baba Shabbi say in 1985? The bitterness of chuba is not something we could tap into in our generation. The generation of ikvasat mashika. Everything, like everything in Chabad, in terms of the ships, are always Yeridas Adaros and Aliyah Adaros. Yeridas Adaros reason, we don't have to call for this. We need a lot of chazak. We can't deal with the with the with the Meriros, with the guilt, with the charata, with the yagom, with the tsar that these farms describe. But then he says, that Shuvatata that is during the week, Chuva is on Shabbos. We're getting, our generation is getting closer to Shabbos. It's getting closer to the time of Geula. It's getting closer to the ultimate, ultimate world of reality. To ultimate reality. We are in situated in the week, super close to Mashiach. I know Karav Lasov Yom Hashishi, Karav Yom Hashabbos. In Kim Pshita Shabbuta B'Zman Azeh, when we talk Simcha Tshuva Ila, we have to focus on Simcha Tshuva Ila. So both both inside Yeridas Adaros and inside Proximity to Geula. This shift is something that the Rabbi Shabbat was consciously, consciously trying to bring into the world. That we have to again, he's not, he's not against anybody that's engaging in Shuvah Mitzvah Mariros, and he he said we still have to do that But the focus should be much more on Shuvah Mitzvah Simcha, returning to the source, to Vekos, feeling connected, and tables, And I think in halachic literature we're seeing a similar shift. These two models always existed. But in terms of the dominance, Shuvah Slichos Mitzvah Sarah. 
was certainly the dominant model, halakhically and experientially, um, throughout most of, most of Ashkenazi history. And I think you're starting to see a, a slight shift in the halakhic literature. This book, Yosher, is becoming quoted more and more with various nafkaminas. And I think uh, part of Mahon Zemet is to see the parallels and the unity between the Nigla and the Nistar of the Torah. I think here you have a beautiful example, both in Nigla and in Nistar, the shift is taking place from Shuvah Mitzok Mirus to Shuvah Mitzok Simcha. However we want to engage in Shuvah, however we want to engage in Tzfilah, I hope that Hashem, we, should, we should feel it, we should do it from a real place. Hashem should be Mekabar Tzfilos, Kiyachid and Mekitzibor, and Hashem should sign us in for, for, for Hashanah Tzfilah Thank you so much.